Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second reading for this morning comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, and you can find them in your bulletin uh, or in a Bible of your own, of your own choosing, or the, the Pew Bible, and uh, they'll also be projected up on, on the screen for you as well. So let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This honor, then, is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejects has become the very head of the corner and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Today we begin our exploration, friends, of, uh, of this thing we call the great ends of the church, which is in some ways the cornerstone of our Presbyterian tradition, at least here in the U.S. But why the great ends of the church? Why spend time thinking about these things? Because in many ways, now is the time for us to think critically about our mission, about our lives together, to think about how all these things relate to our future, not just the future of our faith and how they are cultivated on an ongoing basis, but also to think about the future of this community here in Neopath. If we spent a little time thinking about cornerstones or what might be the foundation, do we know what that thing is? Can we identify in our own lives of faith the cornerstone that is so pivotal to our faith? Perhaps can we, or do we even know what that is for our church? Do we know what the cornerstone, the foundation of our church is? If we don't, then it's all the more appropriate that we start with a consideration of the cornerstone that supports our mission, that casts a vision for who we are as people of God, 
as those who are called to carry out the work of God's royal priesthood. Now, I think it might be tempting for us to think about the cornerstone of our church being, uh, well, you might have a different idea of what that cornerstone might be, but it might be tempting for us to think that the cornerstone is the mission statement, or at least it could be a starting point. After all, mission statements are these very handy string of words that really lay out what you're all about, that put it out there for the world to see. If you read uh, or if you received the weekly email I sent out, I sent out some of uh, the mission statements of places where I frequent, uh, such as Stop and Shop for groceries, where they talk about their mission and what their goals are. But the problem with mission statements is that you often have this tension between something that is idealized versus something that's real. It's all good and fine to say in a mission statement that you want to be followers of Jesus, that you want to be good people, that you want to be a welcoming place, a welcoming church. But those are just words. They're just words unless we turn them into something real. A mission statement, if it is going to act as our cornerstone, needs not only to cast the vision that presents and grapples with reality, but also is something that holds us accountable to the work of discipleship. The cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our community, needs to be such that once it's laid down, it allows for everything else to fall in place where it belongs. I mean, that's the purpose of what cornerstones used to be. Cornerstones used to be this uh, thing that even though the builder had plans, once you put down the cornerstone, everything else that you put down was in reference to that stone. That is why we have things that go beyond just a church's mission statement. That's why we have this thing called the great ends of the church, where we find that where our mission studies fall short or where statements fall short, we have a foundation, a foundation that we hear Joseph D. Small, who's a, an associate in the Presbyterian Church, who, um, I don't, let's see if I can find a slide, there it is, the associate director of uh, the Office of Theology for the Presbyterian Church, he says that in the great ends of the church, we find with an economy of words and a surplus of meaning that the church has six great aims to direct our life together. Six basic works of the church that are foundational to who the church is and what the church is called to do. Because that is really the purpose as well of a cornerstone, if we are to have a cornerstone, something that lays down a clear foundation for us that casts that vision for our lives together, our work together, our faith together. It can't be something that is just an idealized version of what it means to practice our faith. 
Um, but I, I realize now, getting to this point, where are my manners in terms of talking about the great ends? I've just been going on about the great ends of the church, but I have not even mentioned really what they are. The great ends of the church are found, if you are a session member, perhaps you are familiar with that lovely little book known as the Book of Order, which contains our uh, polity, our governance, all the things that make us Presbyterian and decent and in order. Um, but within this book of order, we find the great ends of the church that draw upon theological reflection of people who have come before us, that draw upon scripture to formulate these six guiding principles as small rights that state who we are as a church and what we are called to do. And what I love about the great ends of the church in terms of thinking about them as a mission statement, as a cornerstone, is that they are not easy things. Neither should things that are a part of our faith be easy. They're meant to be challenging. They're meant to challenge us both individually, corporately, as a community, because that is what a good cornerstone, a good mission statement does. It does not accept mediocrity. It does not accept comfort. It always challenges the status quo. Within these six foundational elements, we hear a call to embrace the unknown future that God casts in front of us. So what are these six great ends of the church that we are going to be taking a look at over the course of this fall series? Well, the first one is the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind. Friends, we're going to be thinking about what is the gospel? What is salvation? And while these may seem self-evident, we find that the church throughout time has not shared in one articulation of what the gospel or the salvation is. For example, is salvation only about the forgiveness of sins? Does it apply to eternal life? Or does it apply to the abundant life we find here and now? These are questions we will ask as we think about this part of what makes up our cornerstone. The second point that we are going to look at is the shelter, the nurture, the, fellow, the spiritual fellowship of the children of God. Now, all these things could be sermons on their own, but they are found in this grouping that asks a complicated series of questions of what it means for us to be the body of Christ. In our culture, where we find that things are service-driven, where if you don't provide a service I'm looking for, then I'm just going to go somewhere else, or so on and so forth. What does it look like for us to be the body of Christ? That is led by Christ, who is above all, who is through all and in all, to provide shelter and nurture and to discern what that even looks like. This is something we will consider as well. And of course, we have then the, the maintenance of divine worship. In regards to worship, maintenance doesn't sound all that exciting, does it? Well, um, unless you find maintenance exciting, then that's, I applaud you for that. But we will take a look at what this means as well. Is worship, because when we talk about maintenance of worship, we're talking about what is at the core of our worship. Is it 
about the music? Is it about the sermon on Sunday or the readings or the songs we sing? What is worship? Perhaps more importantly, though, in our conversation about the maintenance of worship, we will ask, perhaps more importantly, how we arrive at a place where our worship to God supersedes all the other priorities set by the world around us that seem to value wealth or status or possessions. How will we arrive in our worship to a place where God sits above that? Next, we have the preservation of truth. We've wrestled with truth, not just as a country, but as churches and as individuals, as communities, as people who try to discern what truth looks like. And what is truth? What truths are we choosing to ignore? What truths are we propping up on pedestals or placing in our mind palace museums as these holy artifacts that actually, in fact, are not true? What truths as a church are we not addressing or ignoring? Or what things might we be clinging to that need in reality to be assessed or reassessed? Believe me, I'm sure that there are things we can look at during this time. Another part of the great ends of the church we will be looking at throughout the course of this series is the promotion of social righteousness. Justice and righteousness have undoubtedly been hot-button issues in our times, and we ask whose justice and whose social righteousness are we advocating for as people who are called to walk in the life way of God? It goes back to this age-old question of whether we will allow our tribalism, that instinctual habit to form tribes, or whether we will allow partisanism or partisan politics or whatever else seems to divide us and tries to separate us, whether we will allow those things to overcome the compassion, the grace, the righteousness, the justice of God. Or will we allow the Spirit to lead us, setting aside all those other things? Allow the Spirit to lead us in the work of reconciliation, of healing. These are some of the few things we'll be wrestling with in this section. And lastly, we have this point. The exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. That is no, that, that, that's not nothing, folks. That is a pretty weighty task when you consider it. When you consider that that is part of our work as a people of faith. Because what that means, what this point gets at, it asks us, will we, as the people of God, and as we go about doing our work, It asks how others who are around us will see us. Will people who find our church, will people who know that we are Christians, will they know that we are Christians by our love? That we are followers, disciples of Christ? Or will they know us as people who are sectarian? Will they know us as people who are only welcoming a name only? You know that church that says, We welcome all, but oh, wait, if you're X, Y, or Z, you might get a cold shoulder. How will they know us? 
Or will they know us as that church that only asks for money and is only concerned with their own internal fears? Friends, these are questions that we find in this very salient point. And given the growing suspicions towards organized religion of the church, we ask in this section, how will we create a community of faith that is able to face head-on the new realities we find, the realities of our times to transcend some of these fears and to face head-on in a way where we are able, though not perfectly, able to live out the kingdom of heaven in our world. Friends, these are the six points we are going to be wrestling with this fall as we look at the great ends of the church, to think about them truly as a cornerstone for our work. And part of our time this fall as well, we'll be spending time in conversation with one another during our time of worship and how we envision part of these things playing out in our lives right now, both as individuals and as a church. It is important for us to do so because in our reading for today, we hear the words of Peter, the disciple, the apostle, who reminds the church with a big C, church universal, that the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our lives together, is found in this great gift of Christ, the life and death of Christ. It is a sacrifice that sets the cornerstone for everything we do as people of faith. It means that as part of our consideration of what it means to disciples, that is going to be the piece that is foundational for how we do all other business as disciples. It is not our belonging to X group or Y group or us doing this or that. That is the cornerstone, but it is Christ. Everything else, that's secondary. As we hear these words from the apostle and consider what the cornerstone of our spiritual lives is, let us pray that we identify what that cornerstone is. And if it's not Christ, if it's not founded on the love of God, let us figure out a way to correct that. Let us pray that as we embark on this journey, we will be able to formulate a clearer sense of our call and identity as God's people. May Christ, the head of the church, the cornerstone, the foundation, be that key that sets a place for everything else to be laid out in our work and in our lives together with God's help. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.